Interior. Night. Four men are seated in four different home offices across the United States. Gabe, the host stationed in Chicago, motions that everybody is ready to record. Cue the intro music. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu, episode number 88. We're happy to have you join us for a blockbuster of an episode that is destined to be action-packed, tear-jerking, suspenseful, hilarious, dare I say feel-good, and maybe just a little romantic. <laughs> That's because we're talking about movie soundtracks. My name's Gabe Estel. I'm here with my co-host Dennis Levi Leach and Jonathan Getz. How are you guys? Wonderful. Great. Good. And we've got a very special guest returning, uh, our good friend tonight, filmmaker, uh, Adam Galassi. Adam, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me back, guys. This is fun. Lovely to hear your voice. Glad to have you back. Um, I want to tell everybody before we uh, get started, we're going to have a lot of fun tonight talking about uh, movie soundtracks. Uh, Adam uh, and his his brother Boomer uh, just uh, wrapped up a movie that's called uh, The No. That's uh, K N O W, and you can learn more about it on Facebook at The No Movie. So uh, just facebook.com slash the no movie. And Adam, uh, we're really excited about that. I hear it's it's making the, the festival circuit rounds right now. So uh, yeah, man, everybody's excited to see it. So looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. We're doing pretty good so far in the overseas festival market. Not so much in the States, but, you know, that's how it goes. Yes, well, I've Adam. You can you can wear that T-shirt that says "I'm huge in Japan" and really mean it. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, right. or, or or Pakistan, which is right, weird. right. That'll work too. Okay, let's 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 temper our expectations here. All right, all right. So anyway, okay. Um, we'll 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 work our way to more. To, to bigger countries but anyway all right so uh adam glad you're with us we're going to talk about movie soundtracks tonight um so uh this is kind of a, a strictly uh strictly film soundtrack um and i think obviously adam's a filmmaker and uh, a big movie fan but when i when i first started hanging out with adam uh i was probably i don't know i guess i was probably about 12 or so and uh you know my soundtrack uh my I'm sorry, i should say my cd collection uh, was, you know, just sort of like the, the greatest hits of classic rock, you know, just kind of, I was kind of getting the basics down still. And then I met Adam and I opened, I looked at his CD collection and it was all movie soundtracks at the time. Uh, and I like that. Um, I remember that, Adam, you had the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves soundtrack, and I remember it was one of the, the first soundtracks, and you you had it for, like, not the Brian Adams song. You had it for all of the other stuff on the soundtrack. Right, I mean, right. yeah, a lot of people had that soundtrack, I mean, for that reason. Yeah. Exactly. You had it for all the other songs. Yeah, right. right exactly. <laughs> you strategically had took a knife and scratched out the Brian Adams soundtrack. <laughs> Uh, who? Gosh, I, I should have this in front of me. Who who did the the Prince of Thieves? Uh, the, the uh, was his name Michael Michael Kamen, I believe. Oh, okay. What, yeah, all right. Is that yeah, who it is? What's interesting about that score is uh, 
like the, the company Morgan Creek, which is a, a film production company mm-hmm. at that time, the movie opened up with the, the iconic Morgan Creek kind of river detail. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And then they, they kept that actual score from Robin Hood the rest of the years that they made movies with that. Oh, so yeah. their, huh. their opening always continued to use that score, which is interesting. So they must have sold it for some big money. That's and neat. Continue, yeah. Hmm. Very cool. Um, yeah, so I remember your CD collection kind of stood out because it was obviously diff- a lot different than mine. Um, but, uh, you know, we're going to talk a lot about, uh, you know, the movie soundtracks and scores. I don't know if anyone else, as I, I've got a job now where I'm, I'm you know, I'm not in the classroom anymore. I'm at, I'm at a desk Um a lot of the day, so I'm I'm listening to music that helps me focus, and I've I've kind of gotten reacquainted and discovered uh, some some new soundtracks and older soundtracks. And uh, as I age, I I kind of prefer a score to songs in you being popular songs being used in a movie. You know, I I think there's there's something special about creating music that's uh, that's exclusively created for that movie. I think that's that's something special. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. Because the music's made to be visual and accompany something that's visual, and, and you yeah. can almost subconsciously feel that in a in a film score. Absolutely, and I I, I saw this for I mentioned this in our I think our last episode of the episode before, but I I just I think it's one of the best scores in years. Uh, I got to see The Shape of Water last weekend, uh, which I, I liked a lot. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, um, obviously it's, it looks like it's going to win about 900 Oscars. So, um, (laughs) so, um, but anyway, uh, it, Alexander Dupla is the guy that did that. And I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure if you, he's, he's a guy that's just like cranking out score after score. Um, right right right. now. Yeah. He, he, like, I, I kid you not, he's done in the last 15 years, he's done 50 movies. Um, but I really, really like what that guy's doing, and um, the score for *The Shape of Water* is just—it's perfect. It's just—it's one of the best scores I've heard in a really, really long time. So if if it's it's like it's check it out if you, if if you haven't yet. Okay, the movie, great. the yeah, movie, and of, the score. Yeah. Right. Excellent. Yeah, you're one of many people that have been raving about that score. So I'm looking forward to sinking my teeth into it. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's great. He's he's one of the my, my favorites of uh, of a recent year, and uh, you know, a, a part of me, I, I think, sort of the, for us, the uh, the quintessential soundtracks growing up. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about those, which are probably um, a little bit more um, uh, you know focused on popular music. I guess I should say uh, non orchestral. Uh, sounds and um you know i i'll start with a with a couple here that i i want to throw out um i thought the 90s brought us some great soundtracks it really did yeah Yeah. some of them are from like not that great of movies or just maybe subpar movies exactly (laughs) you know but they're very memorable soundtracks uh, and I've got, I, obviously the first one that comes to mind to me is Judgment Night, of course, uh, which is kind of an early hip hop and rock hybrid. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard it in a while, basically a uh, a rock band was paired with a hip hop artist 
for the purposes of the Judgment Night soundtrack. And it just... All of... uh, The the whole thing was... Every single one of our friends had it. And... uh, it uh, it was it, it, I love that soundtrack. It's uh, it, I, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. and it, it was a it was a genre before the actual shitty version of that genre was started. You know, right? Like yeah, it's the, the yeah, rap it's, it's, rock thing. This was yeah. like the actual real rap rock hip hop. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, you had like teen, teenage fan club and De La Soul on it. You know, like. Uh, and then, yeah. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, rack, rap rock hybrid kind of got worse as the '90s progressed. Um, but uh, yeah, that that soundtrack as well with uh, what House of Pain and Helmet are on that, I think as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they kick it yeah. off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who, was, who was Onyx with? Was it Onyx? And- Biohazard. Biohazard. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. There's a couple tunes like that on there that are just mean. Like, they're yeah. really good, like, rock-heavy metal mean tunes. Oh, yeah. And they kind of, that soundtrack just completely overshadowed the film itself, which I think wanted to be tough. But, you know, when you're in a Winnebago with Kubi Gooding Jr. and... Uh, Jeremy Piven? And, uh, yeah, wasn't it Jeremy Piven? Yeah. Jeremy, yeah, Jeremy right? Piven, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and you're, you're lost on the south side of Chicago going to a Bears game, and you're being hunted down by Dennis Leary and the lead singer of House of Pain. Right, right. <laughs> the yeah. movie was, was pretty silly and a testament to like how cell phones would change that scenario. Once once uh once the iPhone broke, the judgment night two got it got scrapped. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, we also made the South Side of Chicago look like I don't know, you know, like Pakistan or something. It was like there was no right. Right. anywhere and yeah <laughs> so, yeah but that was a that was a that may be like the best soundtrack to come out of a shitty movie ever yeah yeah right yeah, yeah like soundtrack could, to movie ratio with that though yeah th- there might be someone that beat that though uh i think it was 1993 uh the last action hero soundtrack Does anybody remember oh yeah yes. yeah acdc's on it right yeah i think so. uh yeah, G- yeah. is gnr on it uh no i think megadeth it was a really strange time because it was when kind of like this, this like '80s metal was kind of dying out and then being taken over by kind of the uh, Seattle scene sure. bands. So it was like Alice in Chains and Def Leppard. Oh yeah, Tesla and, and Tesla, yeah. Bone. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Aero, Aerosmith, Queensrÿche. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Horrible, horrible movie, but like a really kind of testament, like kind of. Uh, to the time of what was happening, like a little, um, what do you call it, time chamber of, whoa, here's what's happening in mainstream music with this various artists soundtrack, you know? Sure, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it kind of remind, like um, I wonder if like Arnold had a band that he was really fighting for because do you notice like even after Survivor wasn't popular, Stallone put Survivor songs on the soundtrack to his movies. So I wonder, if, <laughs> I wonder if Arnold was like, I won't do the film unless Winger is on the soundtrack. Okay. <laughs> you know? Anyway, sorry, that was terrible. That was about a piss poor Arnold impersonation. But anyway. Um, well, you know what? I, I've got another one. Judgment Night, yeah, with and then Last Action Hero, right? So uh, mediocre or even bad movies. Um, I don't think this is a bad film necessarily. It's um, it's one that gets forgotten. Um, uh, 
it's sort of when it came out. I think it actually, Adam, came out in 92 or 93 as well. And I think it's one of the best hip-hop soundtracks ever. Uh, and that's the move to the movie Juice from 1992. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, which actually, I, I, I caught part of that movie on TV a few years ago, and it, it was it was it wasn't that bad um, of a of a film really. It's it's a better movie than Judgment Night, I think. And um, I, I, Tupac's actually, I I think actually delivers a pretty strong acting performance in it as well. Uh, and I, oh, like, does, I like I, I like that Omar Epps kid. I thought he he played it like pretty low key as well. I thought he was pretty good too. Um, yeah, he was. Yeah, it's it's a it's a better movie than than people might remember it to be, but the soundtrack is great. I mean, like oh, two incredible, sh- yeah, yeah, two shorts on it. Uh, Rakim, Eric B. and Rakim are on it uh, with one of the greatest hip hop tracks ever in "Know the Ledge." Um, uh, gosh, you know, uh, Big Daddy Kane's on it. Um, uh, gosh, there's 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 some others on here. I I should have it in front of me right now, but I don't unfortunately. But I, I, that's that's a you know a, a film that is easily I think forgotten by a lot of people. But just just a fantastic soundtrack. I I had that on cassette and I had it on compact disc. So when Damn. I was purchasing yeah. something for two, you know, I had it on two formats. You knew you knew you knew shit was real. All right. So yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's. I, it goes without saying that the hip hop scene around that time was incredible and various, various artists, movie soundtracks Mm -hmm. really showcased that. Well, I mean, you had the keep up the rim soundtrack was great. It is. Yeah. Boys in the hood. There were, there were so many just great various artists, hip hop soundtracks to nineties films. Poetic justice was another one or anything. Mm -hmm. John Singleton put his hands on, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, guys, guys like me or guys like us just growing up in the, out in the middle of nowhere, that was kind of a good, like, mixtape to oh, yeah. show what, what was happening in the hip-hop scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm looking at the Juice soundtrack right now, and, like, EPMD's on it, Naughty by Nature's on it, um, yeah. the, the brand-new Heavies, Cypress Hill's on it, um, yeah, salt and Pepper is on it, even. Um, so, yeah, yeah, just a really, uh, you know, obviously, I'm... I, I have a deep affection for, you know, hip hop from about, you know, 89 to 94. Um, and, uh, that's, that's, that's the best of all of it right there. So. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't agree good, more. Good stuff. Um, another one I, I, uh, I want to talk about, I think Jonathan could probably elaborate on this one as well. Um, I, I do like it when, uh, an established artist, uh, write songs for a movie, right? So this is an established artist, and he or she, you know, just just writes a batch of new tunes for a movie, and that that doesn't happen that often. Um, but you know, one time that it did happen in the '90s, and I think the result was really good from a, a movie. Hell, I don't even know if I've seen the movie. I, I I don't think the movie really as a movie got a lot of attention, but the soundtrack did. And that's the, she's the one soundtrack that Tom Petty. Oh, and the Heartbreakers did. I think it's, yeah. is it Tom Petty yeah. at the heartbreakers play on it too? I yeah. It's the heartbreakers. It, right? okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's a great soundtrack. Yeah. 95, 96. Yeah. 95 or 96. Um, yeah, I think it's 96. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, right it's after, fun. Uh, right after wildflowers. Yeah. I think a lot of that though is wildflowers outtakes. Oh, okay. Is that right, right, Levi? You're right. Oh, that's yes. interesting. 
yeah, a lot of that material he had recorded and it didn't make it. And um, originally he had thought Wildfire was going to be like a double LP. Ah, okay. Well, oh, killed wow. my story, guys. Well, well no, Jeez. Gabe, actually, you, what you were alluding to there, I thought you were going to go a different angle, which is something I hadn't thought of until just now, which is the Into the Wild soundtrack. Uh, uh, where, uh, you know, Eddie Vedder... Uh, Eddie Vedder's foray into a solo career was a soundtrack, which is a very understated way of kind of, 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 of not starting a solo career, but putting out a solo album, uh, which is really good. Uh, you know, it's, it's a really good solo, uh, record, uh, by all means, but and admittedly though, I hadn't even thought about it until now, uh, that it, it was in fact a soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, when it comes to that area of, you know, kind of solo artists taking over a whole film, one of my favorites is um, Harry Connick Jr.'s One, Hell- One Harry Met Sally. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. From 89, and he just, I think he was, maybe he was like 22 or 23 years old at the time, and just fucking unleashed this beautiful like jazz fury in like cover songs from Sinatra, and it was just a really gorgeous soundtrack that uh, I think really put him on the map, too. But Yeah. Yeah, that that, that was a classic for me. Good stuff. Um, There's another one, uh, one more, and I I need to pull it up. And this is kind of a forgotten movie as well, but I really like this movie a lot. And the soundtrack is really good as well. Adam, I think we watched this movie together. Uh, It's a little movie that came out in 1993 called Amongst Friends. Do you remember that movie, Adam? Yes, absolutely. I do, yeah. It's a a good movie, uh, for one. It's... um, I have to admit, I haven't seen it in a long time, so I'm not entirely sure how it's aged, but I remember liking it. And it's got, I don't know if all the songs appeared on the soundtrack or not. Um, You know, all the songs that were in the movie, I'm not entirely sure if they were on the soundtrack. But, um, uh, like, the soundtrack has got, it's got, for one, it's the first time I ever heard All the Young Dudes by Matha Hoople. It was in that movie. Um and then also, um, there's a lot of hip hop on it. Like the Beastie Boys, uh, Brass Monkey is in the movie. Um, it's a shame about Ray by the Lemonheads is on the soundtrack. Oh, bizarre! Um, yeah, uh, Drama Rama is on the soundtrack. Um, uh, MC Light, Tone Loke, The Far Side. So it had it was kind of hip hop heavy as well. Um, but you know, it also had uh, you know Matha Hoople on it so just a really cool um a really cool kind of uh big soundtrack from a little movie and uh that's that's also one of my favorites as well so that actually was like a a disc soundtrack that came out came out and was released it did yeah the beast like i said brass monkey is in the movie uh but it's not on the soundtrack um but uh but yeah it, it it did come out yeah atlantic records 93 um the, the the soundtrack so, isn't that frustrating yeah. when when the song yeah, is in the uh, movie but not on the soundtrack so well, yeah much. yeah well, that's that's goodfellas right there for you you uh, know oh, yeah. um i mean goodfellas the goodfellas soundtrack like the actual soundtrack is kind of weak i mean compared to like the songs that are in the movie you know right right yeah. I assume it was a rights thing because it's it's probably really expensive. Even if you're Martin Scorsese, you'd throw like six Rolling Stone songs on a soundtrack. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, um, it is a rights thing. Like I mean, like Forrest Gump was the same way, and they somehow got the 
you know, the money or the backing from the record company to do a, even a, like a two disc set for Forrest Gump. And sure. There were a yeah. couple other situations like that. I think the Days of Confused soundtrack just being kind of like a throwback of various artists was so popular that they came out with yeah. a second one for that, just kind of marketing it as like, you know, like a 70s time life collection, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, I. Uh... Oh yeah, those were two great. You know, those were two great collections. Um, uh, one that I can think of was where the Buffalo Room that had a ton of. Like it's the, all like, it's all Neil Young, right? I mean, well, like Hendrix is on it. The oh, Temptations, okay. Bob Dylan, Credence. Nice. But yeah, it um, like when you see that movie on TV now, none of those songs are in the movie. Right. No kidding. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, they'll have to they'll have to take them out for rights. Yeah. Um, wow. When, when, so when when a movie goes from the theaters to uh, the networks or whatever syndication, they they'll actually remove songs. Oh yeah. yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, I mean, you'll see a lot of movies that don't have the same song. I mean, Weird Science is one I remember growing up as a kid. Um, kind of had some other like new wave, strange songs in it, but the actual film had you know like some van halen songs which couldn't be afforded for whatever you know, yeah. network television i was playing on fast times at ridgemont high is another one uh, oh, yeah. was, you're, you're you stole it right out of my mouth adam yeah cashmere yeah. you know uh, yeah. yeah and also he got the he got the zeppelin album wrong he's like you had to put on the side of led zeppelin 4 which is technically not to get all nerdy, it's not on Led Zeppelin 4. Gabe, anyway. Gabe, this is the podcast to get nerdy. <laughs> right, so please. it's true. Well, <laughs> it's true. Well, okay, I, I kind of have a theory about that. I think, I mean, knowing Amy Heckling and Cameron Crowe, I think they kind of knew what they were doing. And I oh, totally, that was totally. A, a choice of, of Rat's character probably just not doing what he was told to by Demolish. <laughs> right, right, probably. It's getting it wrong, yeah. It's true. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah, like I, an inside I, joke to the audience, like, this guy doesn't have his shit together, doesn't he? Yeah. Know? I, I, you're, you're probably right. Yeah, Cameron Crowe, I'd imagine, knows his way around a Led Zeppelin record. Um, <laughs> but uh, speaking yeah, of, uh, yeah. d- uh, d- do you want to talk about Cameron Crowe uh, a little bit and, and what he uh, put out there? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, he's a guy that's always utilized pop popular music rather than scores. Um, I, I, I mean, I assume some of his movies have 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 scores, but. Um, all really what started with John Cusack holding the boom box, right? I mean, yeah. 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 And, and that's, an, that's actually an interesting, uh, sound the say anything soundtrack, which I think was one of his, one of Crow's earliest films, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like 1989. Maybe, yeah. It's yeah. early. Yeah. Maybe even directorial debut. Yeah. Uh, but in that movie, I think it's 89. Maybe it's somebody who can pull that up. Mm-hmm. In the actual film, uh, there's a Mother Lovebone song, which for 89 in a mainstream movie like that was kind of odd. Uh, it didn't make the soundtrack. but um, Yeah, because the band, nobody really knew much about them, you know, at that time. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is his directorial de- debut. You're right, from 1989. Um, yeah. Uh, gosh, what else is on it? Uh, oh, Cult of Personality oh, by Living Colors oh, on yes. it. Right. I think there's a cheap trick tune on there. Chili Peppers, Depeche Mode, Fishbone, Replacements. Um, Joe, Joe Satriani is is, uh, is on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. Good. Good stuff, man. <laughs> I, I was uh, fast forwarding to you know a couple movies down the line for Crow and and probably his most famous work that will 
probably touch on a couple times here, but the single soundtrack. Um, I, I just read for the first time that they actually pushed up the release of that soundtrack by three months before the movie came out because of um, hell, the bands were so because hot, of the success know. of of the scene. <laughs> sure. And uh, Adam, so you you probably knew this, but the the idea of a of a soundtrack coming out three months before the movie, I assume that was kind of unprecedented. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, it wouldn't be today, but at, no, at that time, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Cameron Crowe's always had his finger on the pulse of, of something, you know, mm-hmm. um, he was always kind of ahead of his time with that. But I mean, now when I watch his movies, just from like a really selfish, uh, greedy kind of jealous standpoint, I get a little sick to my stomach with how he just, uh, kind of relies so much on, you know, music to tell the story yeah because i'd agree afford, with that because he can't afford to he can afford to so the filmmaker i'm just like wow that's easily like you know 30 million dollars you just spent on music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're letting the music write the scene then you know what i mean right um, yeah you, yeah you can't always rely on you know bob dylan to like you know right completely take over yeah. the emotion of, of the scene you're trying to get across. <laughs> like gee like, what you are you trying like, to say to... here you know yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 well sometimes boston smoking is what it takes to get a scene you know like, <laughs> to, to the audience. i wish man <laughs> I mean, that Cameron Crowe does an all Boston soundtrack. That'll be one of his best movies in years, man. Seriously, I'm all about that. Well, yeah. one guy, one guy from the '90s we haven't touched on that I always, I, I always remembered and seemed to enjoy his soundtracks was Tarantino. And I'm not sure if he was always choosing what was on his soundtracks. I'd imagine, but um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Tarantino is interesting because he actually had. Uh, Outside of uh, Apocalypse Now, which is a really strange soundtrack, a really, really good soundtrack, uh, which half, half the soundtrack is kind of dialogue and the other is instrumental. But Tarantino was kind of the first to like throw in little bits of, you know, the actual dialogue from the film and then bust into a song. Like it was produced for like Reservoir Dogs was like that and it had the uh, Stephen Wright narration and um, so that's this something that Tarantino Billy. kind of started and it, yeah, it kind of sucked. <laughs> Yeah, I think Jonathan and I, you and I were talking earlier this week about Natural Born Killers, and that was another one yeah. that Trent Reznor produced. And, you know, just to hear bits of it here and there flow in and out of the movie and then into like a Dylan song. and It's just done really well, and he kind of set the trend for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, on we, we Levi had mentioned the, uh, you know, the Days and Confuse, or one of us did, the Days and Confuse soundtracks and it seemed like all of us owned one or both of those. And then pretty much it was in every car in Menard County, um, even, which is kind of funny. Cause like you could turn on the radio on any classic rock station and hear most of those awesome. songs, you know? Right. Um, I mean, it had some cuts though. You weren't going to hear like cherry bomb or like summer breeze. Yeah. Summer yeah, breeze. Cherry bomb. Yeah. Of those. Yeah. It, it, it had a few nuggets on it. It did that. Um, but I'll say that, uh, Another soundtrack that everyone should check out that um, I guess is it's comparable to the Days and Confused soundtrack, but the movie actually, you know, kind of came out around the time that Days and Confused takes place. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's from uh, 1979, and it's the movie Over the Edge with a oh, young, absolutely. With the young Matt Dillon. Um, 
The soundtrack is hard to find. It did come out on vinyl in 79, um, but it's, it's, it's tough to find. Um, I ended up in my streaming service, Google Play Music that I use, I ended up actually creating the soundtrack because I can't find it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's got it's got two cheap trick tunes on it. Um, Hello There and Surrender. It's got two Cars tunes on it. It's got My Best Friend's Girl and Just What I, what I Needed. And this is in 78, so like Cheap Trick and the Cars were really like breaking out at this point, you know? Right. It's got, um, it's got yeah. four Cheap Trick songs on it. Is it? Okay, four. Yeah. Okay, yeah, four. Yeah, it's got Hendrix. And Hendrix and is on it, Let the Good Times Roll. Um, Ooh Child is on it, which I love that song. The Ramones are right. on it with Teenage Lobotomy. Um, oh, yeah, have, uh, uh, wait, what is uh, there's a Little Feet song on it. Right, yeah. Uh, it's there's just, a Van Halen song, too, right? Well, yeah, You Really Got Me. Is, you, I don't know if You Really Got, is okay, you really yeah. got Me on the soundtrack. Okay, yes. it's in the movie. It okay. is on the soundtrack. Cool. So, so, like, 78, all of those bands would have really been breaking out at that point, you know? Um, yeah, it's just... It's one of my favorite movies, but I, I that soundtrack to me rivals the Dazed and Confused soundtrack, um, even though it's it's one that's much harder to find and just kind of probably oh. only only record geeks kind of have it. But uh, yeah, great, yeah. great. Also, also to the fact that those songs were kind of like I mean, I mean yeah, almost close to mainstream. But you know, like bands like Van Halen and the Cars were just getting on the scene. And the, oh yeah, yeah, so it, wasn't, too. it wasn't yeah. like a throwback kind of mm-hmm. thing. I say a record, that, a soundtrack that kind of paved the way to even have soundtracks like that uh, was uh, Easy Rider in '69. Was oh yeah, for kind of point. New music, various artists yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like Dennis Hopper wanted to. He's like, I want Hendrix. I want um, you know Steppenwolf. And at that time, those bands were just kind of you know getting big. Sure. So that was a huge deal. Yeah, that was yeah. a huge album. What year was yeah. Graduate with Simon and Garfunkel? 60, I mean, that I was that mainly was... that was all just mainly Simon and Garfunkel, right? I think but yeah, '69 as well. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it wasn't even by the time Over the Edge came out in '79. It it it, ha- it wasn't really a trend yet, you know, to put popular songs on a soundtrack. You know, I mean, there was right. there's a there's a handful of examples and. Scorsese was doing it a little bit, but uh, you know that I, I don't think that trend really broke until a decade or yeah. two later. Um, I was just reading what, about FM. What do you guys know about yeah. FM? Oh, great, great, the, great soundtrack! Yeah, yeah, right, that's a good right. one. Good, good, good one. I forgot about that one. I, that movie's got Martin Mull in it, correct? It does. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like a WKRP <laughs> type of a thing. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the movie's soft spot for Martin Mull, haven't you, Gabe? I have, I have definitely. Yeah, I always thought it's a mole. I, I, I always yeah. thought he, I thought I always thought he turned in a pretty good performance on Roseanne as well. Um, right? Yeah, he was yeah. The, the yeah the owner. I mean, boss. I mean, hell, you know the soundtrack's good when Steely Dan writes a song that's named after the movie. You know, I mean, so you're doing okay yeah, there. I, I remember that soundtrack floating around a lot, but I don't I don't recall ever seeing the film. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's one of those. Things where I think more people owned the soundtrack than ever saw the movie. Oh yeah, it w- yeah. It was um, it was really popular at one time, and I was talking to Jonathan before the episode. It came with a really cool poster that was like a logo of the record or of the radio company, like the 
the made up mm-hmm. radio. And it was uh it was a great soundtrack with all kinds of what, Queens Kurt, on it? Seeger, right? Seeger's on it, I think. Seeger, Steely Dan, James Taylor, Joe Walsh, Linda Ronstadt, Boz Skaggs. Yeah, it's uh Billy it's Joel, tough. Foreigner, Jesus. Yeah, wow. It's yeah, a we know where that we know where the film budget went with that movie. No kidding. Right. Huh? Right. They're like, all right, we we were aiming for Dustin Hoffman. We we got Martin Mole instead. All right, <laughs> he's, he's a poor man's Dustin Hoffman. I guess. I I think I think given recent news, I think you'd probably want to be Martin Mole instead of Dustin Hoffman. But anyway, um, shit, I don't know. Is Martin Mole still alive? Martin Mole still alive? Yeah. I guess he is. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Let's say let's say he is. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'd like to think so. It was, if, I mean, if, I would, if, if, it was a simpler time when Martin Mole was a was a leading man. <laughs> oh, Jesus! I want to I want to touch on really quick one of my favorite uses of a popular song in a movie, and um, the first time I ever saw this movie was at Adam's house, and that's the Warriors, and that's in the city. I don't know about Joe oh, Walsh, yeah. or is it is is the Joe is it just Joe is it Joe Walsh solo or the Eagles? I'm not sure how they credited on that. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, but um, yeah, it just the way that that song was used in that movie um always stuck with me. I don't know. Yeah, it was it's near the, the end of the movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When they get they make it back to the CI, baby. Right. Yeah, dude. <laughs> All right, Bobos. Um, uh, God, dude, uh, such such a good the 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 score for that movie too. I, I is excellent. Yeah, is excellent as well. It's kind of it's kind of discoy, but it's right. kind of but it's kind of but it's got like a little bit of grit to it, though. You know, obviously because it's a movie sort of about street gangs. Um, one other one I want to throw out, guys, in the classic rock vein, and I don't think a lot of people, maybe a lot of people haven't seen this movie. It's a movie that came out. It says in 1990, but I think the movie takes place in the late 70s. Um, has anyone other than me, because I, I remember HBO one summer like showed it like a lot, so I watched it a lot. And, like It's one of those movies, like, you know, you, you have those movies you didn't want to see it so, so as much as you have, but you have seen it that much. You know what I mean? Like, like, like I never girls are easy. Right. Yeah. Right. That or like, I don't know if you remember like strictly business with Tommy Davidson. For some reason, yeah. I've seen that movie like nine times. I never really even wanted to see it once, but I was just a bored kid and we had HBO. But anyway, um, there's a movie that's from 1990 with Brian Austin Green from um, uh, 90210. Yes. Right. Mr. Megan Fox. Um, anyway, he. Uh, He's in it, and uh, Joanna Kern from Who's the Boss is in it as well. Um, it's about a kid from Chicago. His parents get divorced, so he goes to spend a summer with his aunt who lives in Venice. And she's kind of Joanna Kern's the aunt. She's kind of she's kind of hippified, right? Brian Austin Green's kind of like the smartass, edgy kid that he meets, right? It's like a comedy coming of age thing, but. Aerosmith on Aerosmith is on the soundtrack. The Cars are on the soundtrack. Edgar Winter Group, The Moody Blues, uh, Free because All Right Now is on the soundtrack. Okay. KC and the Sunshine Band. Um, so yeah, and it's this movie. You know, it's like this little movie that's got these big tunes in it. Um, What's the name of it? It's a, the movie's just called An American Summer. It's basically it, it's kind of also like Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Like it's based on that. 
You know, it's like it's like a it's like a adaptation, modern retelling of Huckleberry Finn. Um, excuse me. Uh, so yeah, so that's that's another kind of uh, under the radar soundtrack that uh, with big names on it that a lot of people I don't think have seen the movie. I don't know if the soundtrack ever came out. I mean, those those are the those are the songs in the movie though. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of movies like that where the soundtrack actually didn't come out or part of it came out. Right, uh, just because because of uh, the music rights and you know like the the studios fighting between the record companies on right. who's really going to make the money on this. You know? mm-hmm. uh, a soundtrack that comes to mind for me with that is uh, a movie called Valley Girl from 1983. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Nicholas Cage. Yeah, yeah. Nick Cage. Yeah, directed by Martha Coolidge, who did Real Genius, which is a, a great movie. That is um, great. I had the poster. Had a heavy soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, like Modern English, The Clash, Culture Club, Banana Rama, oh, nice. Men at Work. And it was right when these bands were kind of like before they were on the cusp of, of being big, you know, like they were the biggest mm-hmm. thing. And they could afford to be, you know, put in the movie. But then when it came time for a soundtrack, like they couldn't afford to actually release a record for it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that actually did get a, like a soundtrack release then, like, you know, 15 years later in the 90s, just because it was so popular. Sure. Yeah, those those swiped under the rug soundtracks like that are, are really interesting. Uh, Adam, along those lines, um, kind of a, a soundtrack that is unexpectedly kind of new wavy. Um, I assume you guys remember the 1986 BMX movie rad, right? Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I don't Dude, recall the soundtrack at, though. Look at the, the soundtrack for that is um, unexpectedly hip um, in the sense that like, even though, like, the Send Me an Angel by Heartland is on it, um, you know, uh, or Real Life, I guess in that case is the name of the band. But there's also, like, kind of some cowpunk stuff on it, like um, the Beat Farmers. Um, there's uh, a, a, this Canadian guy by the name of John Farnham. There's another New Age band, Sparks, uh, Hubert Ka. It's like this really kind of, like, weird, some of the songs are kind of new wavy and artsy. But it's the movie that's like, you know, a BMX, you know, it's rad. So it's it rad is an unexpectedly rad soundtrack. Excellent. Yeah. I'm going to check. I'm, I'm writing this down because I want to. Yeah. It, and it came out like the rad soundtrack came out. Like I saw it on Discogs. So you can, you know, it, it exists. It came out on vinyl and I assume probably cassette as well. So, yeah, yeah. it's good. Another one I wanted to mention was the first score that really ever stuck with me. And I joked earlier before the uh, the, sh- the episode started, I was going to give like a 20-minute thesis on the nuances of velociraptors and cellos and how they pair <laughs> together. But the Jurassic Park score, man, that thing was everywhere. You, oh, you, you can't argue I mean? with Williams. I mean, yeah, he's the king. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was one of the, I mean, obviously I had heard, you know, the Star Wars and the Indiana Jones and all that stuff, but like something about the Jurassic Park and seeing it in the theater and it was just so epic that it, that score has always kind of stuck with me. Yeah, yeah it, it's almost like, a, it's, a, it's like an action-packed lullaby, that score. It's very mm, beautiful. That's a good way to put it. At the same time, yeah. exciting, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. one sticks to your ribs, yeah. That's one that like, you know, like high school bands and stuff do now, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's it's big. Um, One of my favorite movie, Levi's kind of getting into sort of more orchestral scores now. Um, 
Adam, I know you're a fan as well of the Willow soundtrack by uh, by I James. I am. Warner. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, Which, one of the few that I have on CD, uh, vinyl, and cassette. So. Right, right. <laughs> it's hard to find now too. You know, it's uh, extremely it's, hard to find. You don't uh, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Shocking. not the greatest movie ever made. But it's, no, uh... no, it's it's basically Lord of the Rings with a baby. All right, it's, it's basically Willow. All right, it's a that's... poor man's Lord of the Rings. What, what, yeah. It totally it's, is a Lord, it's Lord of the Rings with an Ewok cast. Right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's the GoBots of the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it totally is. I, I didn't realize it at the time. You know, I, I when I saw yeah, it like in yeah, 1987, I, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah, um, give Val Kilmer the Oscar, and then like. Then when Lord of the Rings came out, I, the movies, I was like, oh, basically Willow's a total Lord of the Rings ripoff, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. yeah but Laura, yeah, you're right. This, this, the score is really powerful. It's a really Yeah, it's a beautiful. The theme to it is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Right. Um, and he did another really, really uh, shitty, shitty film score um, in 1983 for a movie. I wouldn't say it's shitty. It's, it's charming and it's cool. But the movie Kroll, James Bond, oh, yeah. it's yeah. really out of this world. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that, that, that's one of the redeeming qualities of movie scores and, uh, you know, kind of subscribing to a streaming service now. That's, I guess that's that's one of the upsides is like, you know, a shitty movie can have a great score. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll listen to just about any movie score. You know, I mean, like, I, I don't watch all of, the, like, these Marvel DC movies that come out. Quite frankly, I don't watch any of them. Um, but but I'll but the score, the scores are good. You know what I mean? Like, they're powerful scores, you know, and and, and uh, so to me, like, they they almost exist as separate entities, you know. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. There's a lot of strange moments in soundtracks as well. Like sometimes like just different pairings and stuff or different, like you don't expect Iggy pop to do repo man. You know what I mean? I don't oh know. yeah, he did do that. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like yeah. sometimes movies can bring artists together that you wouldn't think would happen. Right. 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 Going back to the judgment night soundtrack is a, right. Yeah. For that, for yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, good stuff, guys. I, you know, I, I I'll, I'll segue here now. Um, I made one night, um, and I'll, I'll post this because it's probably better to hear the music than me to talk about it. But um, this was kind of inspired. Um, there's a there's a genre of music now that's very cinematic, and it's called retro wave. Um, and it's it's basically like '80s synth kind of stuff that like DJs are doing, right? Um, and it's pretty cool. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers the artist, uh, you know, that the movie Drive that came out a few years ago with Gosling. Uh, yeah. Cliff Martinez. Yeah. yeah, right. Uh, you know, he's that's that's probably like the biggest name from that genre. Um, mm-hmm. But there's there's a, listening to that soundtrack kind of got me into some of the, the smaller names that are working within the retro wave genre. And some of them, some of those artists will make basically soundtracks to movies that don't exist right um right and yeah it's pretty cool so i decided to make one of those and i i will share this so jonathan could post it on um on uh, our our various websites and social media um it's a movie starring me 
right? In 1986. Okay. Are you seven? Yeah, no, 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 no. This is, this is, I'm, I'm playing, uh, not, you know, I'd like to think, guys, I'm not too old. I still have some range. Maybe I, maybe I could, I don't don't know. But anyway, um, so it takes place in 1986, right? And it's a kid named Max. The movie's called To the Max, right? Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of about, like, uh, me pulling total 80s plot. It's, it's about me um, wowing everybody in a talent show, okay? Right? So, you know, the movie starts out, you know, it's got Couldn't Get It Right by UFO as the opening song. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm in the shower. You know, my dad's, like, banging on the door. Hey, get out of there! You know what I mean? Like, you know, like come on, you gotta go to school, you know? so like We need a you know, montage. Like, All right. Yeah, yeah, right. So... Doing the montage, I got I got the outfield sixty one seconds on it. You know that's that's kind of like when I first see the girl. You know, like oh man, you know, God, she never talked to me, Max. You know what I mean? Right? And then, you know, like Levi's kind of my wise cracking friend. You know, he puts his arm around me all the time, and he's like, Max, the roses are red, my man. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's always saying stuff like that. Right. So, you know, then it goes into that. I got Cheap Trick on the soundtrack. I got um, Hooters on the soundtrack. Nervous Night could be an 80s movie soundtrack that never happened. Um, By by the way, dude, like under underrated band guys, in my opinion, the Hooters from Philadelphia. Um, uh, So, yeah, that's on it. I got a little April Wine. Uh, probably one of the more popular songs on it. I've got Ah Leia by Donny Iris. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that, like, the, the talent show is kind of Revenge of the Nerds style, right? Like, I've, you know, like, I, I do Living on a Thin Line by the Kinks, like a really kind of, like, somber, macabre performance. You know? <laughs> Every, everybody, everybody in the audience doesn't know what to make of it, you know, but you get kind of the slow clap at the end, right? <laughs> then, I thought you were going to say at the end, all of a sudden, like, lasers came out and, like, synths. You're like, do, 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 do. No. Um, can we can we just make this movie? I, I'd like you. I'd like can you to direct this, Adam. To, to the max soundtrack. Yes, and uh, I've I've also got "Love Me to the Max" by the Romantics. That's kind of the theme, you know, you go, right? right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you know what? We're gonna cl- we're gonna close the movie out. The credits, you know, because like the last shot is like me, kind of like it, like a, a like a, a still of like me just kind of shrugging my shoulders, you know, like you know. Um, and it's "Go for a Soda" by Kim Mitchell. Might as well go for a soda. Nobody hurts. And, yeah, yeah, so for sure. there it is, man. To the max from 1986. Oh, wow. Slow clapping. Yeah, this is available to listen to. Yeah, I got it. I made it, dude. Yeah, I, I put it on. Uh, I put it on uh, Google Play Music. Yeah, we'll, we'll yep. try to create a, a YouTube playlist of we'll, it as well. We'll, we'll do a YouTube one yeah. so everybody yeah. can hear it. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. I, can, I can already see the poster. I can see everything. Everything see to it. the max, man. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys seen to the max yet? <laughs> Killer movie. Four times. That's right. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> the nice thing is, if I, with the sequel, you don't even have to change the title. You just change the two to a two, and it's two the max. There we go. There we go. That's, I like your thinking. Sequel writes itself. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. Right. <laughs> oh, Hopefully, it's man. better than That's Teen great. Wolf too. <laughs> oh yeah. I hope no. Mark can can Martin Mull play your father. <laughs> please, yeah, please. <laughs> if he's still alive. 
<laughs> so, uh, he's, he's got all these, you know, he's got all these, like, ah, you know, Max, life is really like, you know, he's always, <laughs> he's always trying to pontificate and stuff. You know? He's kind of he's the geeky dad, you know, he's always working, he's always, like, trying to make inventions in the garage and shit, you know, right? So, <laughs> so he's like, when I met your mother. <laughs> yeah, all that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so adam i was curious is there um in your knowledge of of movie soundtracks is there anything that uh that we should know that that we probably don't oh wow and my knowledge of it um yeah what are what are some fun facts i think well one of my favorite fun facts about soundtracks is um uh, you all know michael davis Michael Davis and I spent some time in Chicago back in 99 or 2000 looking for the infamous Time Bandit soundtrack. <laughs> um, we went to every record store. Uh, you know, we kind of had some dial-up internet at the time, but it wasn't giving us too much information. That's when no. the web was kind of, you know, empty. Um, but we could not find the Time Bandit soundtrack anywhere. We go to some record stores and the guys would be like, "Oh yeah, we had one in here a couple of years ago, but we sold it. That's a hard one to come by." Uh, turns out, once we got smarter and once the internet got bigger, we found out there was no such thing as a Time Bandit soundtrack. Wow! Oh. It, it never it never existed. But what I was looking for was a George Harrison song called "Dream Away," mm. which he he produced the film uh, with his company Handmade Films. And it, you know, it was Terry Gilliam directed it. It was part of the Monty Python crew. And we could never find this record. And it turns out it didn't exist. But uh, it was supposed to be released. It was supposed to be a big soundtrack thing. And I think him and Gilliam got in some kind of argument. And the studios got in an argument about rights. And, and it ended up being on one of his solo records. And I can't think of the name of the solo record. It was a Harrison record from like 83. Um, so that for me was strange as a, as a child i was always looking for the time bandit soundtrack and here it was it, it never existed <laughs> wow and that's hilarious that the that the uh, record stores would claim to have seen a version right. of it. <laughs> classic yeah, record store yeah. move were there, were there like knockoff copies made i mean were there like 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 bootlegs of it trying to, people trying to pass it off you know it's like a well, wonder if that well was harrison re- harrison released a single of the song in japan that had kind of like a picture of a uh, still from Time Bandits on it that has uh, nothing about Time Bandits itself. So I don't hmm. know if that's what these, these record store nerd dudes were talking about, or they were just trying to like be cool and be like, oh yeah, yeah, we used to have that, and now we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Pricks yeah, are feeding you lies. Sold it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but they always sold it yesterday. <laughs> but no, I think one of the most interesting things about soundtracks is kind of what happened in the 80s with, with solo artists at the time and, and movies, you know, like how Huey Lewis, you know, was, was given the, the Back to the Future soundtrack. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. and that became a hit. And you can't, we can't talk about soundtracks without talking about Kenny Loggins. Oh, sure. Who basically dominated the scene in the 80s, you know, from Top Gun to Caddyshack to Footloose. I mean, he just, if you put, if you got Kenny Loggins on a soundtrack, the movie's a hit. He was Mr. Soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. God, I can't believe we we made it nearly to the end of the episode before Loggins came up. Jesus. Shame on on me. God. (laughs) Urban Urban Cowboy Saturday Night Fever. Now we talked about those as well. There you go. Oh, right. There we go. We're on the gamut. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, guys, should we should we get into our favorite soundtracks sure. then? I mean, I guess we probably yeah. already touched on a few of them. Well, but, I mean, yeah, uh, we yeah. touched, but yeah, you can go first. Me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, my age before beauty. Second, I'll go. My yeah. I might. I might start, yeah. Go ahead. I are might, we starting I might. at number three? Then we'll build up to our top pick. Is sure. That what we're gonna do? Okay. Yeah. Um. One that always stuck with me, and it was one of the first soundtracks I ever had on record when I was about 14, is the American Graffiti soundtrack. Ooh, nice. And um, it was a 2LP set of mainly all, you know, 50s and 60s rock. But um, it was one of my first introductions to movie soundtracks. So I I always kind of have a soft spot for that one. And then... um, Number two, I would probably pick the Dazed and Confused, just because they played a, a very seminal role in my upbringing as well. And um, my top soundtrack is one that I think is the only soundtrack I own in multiple formats, and that's the Big Lebowski soundtrack. Ah, I, good I've work. Always, always like that. And um, man and me. Yeah, I've never <laughs> since that movies came out. I've never been too far away from a copy of that soundtrack. It's a great nice. compilation. Does it have like a Kurt, uh, Carter Burwell score on it here and there as well, or I can't remember that. I'll have to look that up. I, I think it does have a few. It's it's got a few of the tracks are are um, a score, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right, Adam. I think you are right. Would you guys go to uh, Suncoast to get your scores? Oh sure, or Sam huh? Goody. Yeah, yeah, because you shit. can't find scores anywhere. You would have to shit. go to very particular places, right? A part of me thinks we should have had um, this name's not going to mean anybody to that listens to this podcast outside of Central Illinois, but um, uh, God, Mark Brillhart that used to work there. Uh, we should shit. We should have had him on this episode. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where that guy <laughs> talking to him like always like begging him when's Reservoir Dogs come out on VHS? Because remember, like remember it used to, it used to take movies forever, forever. to come out the buy. Like a year. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. he's yeah. like, well, you can buy it, but it's like $90 or something right. like that. I'm like, what? Yeah, you have to buy yeah. like the rental copy version of it. Now now it's just like, you know, somebody's like, buy a movie. You just get offended. Anybody even bringing up that idea? What do you mean? <laughs> Why would I ever want to own a movie? Right? Yeah, right. Um well, I'll, I've got my number three now, so I'll, I'll go from, I'll go there. And we, it's one we haven't mentioned yet. Um, the oddity of this one, this this was a big soundtrack um, in 81, I believe, um, to the animated film Heavy Metal. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is funny because there's, there's a lot of non-heavy metal songs yeah, on that, the soundtrack. The term still had a very broad definition at that it point. It did, like Journey's on the soundtrack. <laughs> All right. Don Felder. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, Don Felder from the Eagles is on it. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm trying to, let, let me see here. I've, I've got, uh, trying to think of what else. Yeah. Sammy Hagar's on it. Um, uh, cheap tricks on it. Grand funk is on it. Nazareth yeah. trust. There's not really a lot of heavy metal music on it. So that's, I like the oddity of it, you know, and just sort of the miscategorization, I guess, of it all. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of my favorites. Um, the heavy metal soundtrack from 81. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and then, oh gosh, okay, so I do other ones too. Um, well, I already said it, but Over the Edge, you know, I mean, that's uh, that's just that's just a killer soundtrack. Um, 
And then, you know what? Actually, I don't know if it's my favorite. So, Levi, this isn't a 3-2-1. It's just kind of a... No, yeah, no worries. Um, a, uh, no, uh, we're going to hold you to like this a, game. This yeah, is... right. <laughs> uh, Going this on is the tomb, somebody. I'm halfway um, done chiseling. We, we have not mentioned um, uh, any of the work by Tangerine Dream. All right. Um, four movies. Uh, I'll go with the Legend soundtrack. As with with Tangerine Dream and John Anderson from Yes, um, so I'll go with that a, as one of my favorites. A, yeah, and a great solo song by Brian Ferry too. You're right. Yeah, Brian Ferry's yeah. on it as well. And, uh, who Steve Ray Vaughan played guitar with him on that? Yes. Ah, good, 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 good. You, God, you win. Jesus. Um, all right. Yeah. So yeah, Legend, Over the Edge, and Heavy Metal. What was the um, drama it, behind the Legend soundtrack? Wasn't there a big changeup? Yeah, um, Jerry Goldsmith did a score did, for the original, yeah. like what what Ridley Scott wanted, and it's just a it's a great, beautiful score. But mm-hmm. they thought in America, America, they wanted more of a pop synthy kind of. They wanted it to be a little bit more hip than than, it, than Jerry Goldsmith. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, Jerry Jerry Goldsmith's great, man. He did uh, he did Gremlins as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and he's, then you he's been around for years. Uh, and yeah, if I could give an honorable mention, I'll put the Blade Runner soundtrack on there as well. So, for uh, did Jerry Goldsmith do Goonies? I believe he did. Mm-hmm. No, did he? I don't know. I don't know. All I can think, all I can remember is Cindy Lauper's. But yeah, oh, and yeah. are you very good now? There's an Ario Speedwagon song on the Goonies soundtrack as well. That's a rare uh, one. I have that on CD. It's kind of a rare one to find on CD. It is. Yeah, um, he goes back to like he did the original Planet of the Apes score and uh, Chinatown, and yeah, he's he's. I don't know if he's still alive or not, but he, yeah, he had some big ones. Yeah, Bangles are on the Goonies soundtrack too. Huh, I know Okay, the theme for back. Goonies was Dave Bruzen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Hmm. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, I'll go next. Um, uh, so. Yeah, my top three um, is one that's been that's just kind of stuck around um, for both Betsy and I, and, and Betsy's always playing it. It seems like um, is the uh, Velvet Goldmine soundtrack, and uh, yeah. this was uh, kind of an introduction into glam uh, uh, glam rock for us uh, in a way that was you know kind of beyond T Rex. And uh, th- th- there are super groups on here, and uh, one is the Venus and Furs, and uh, it's Tom York. And Johnny Greenwood from uh, from Radiohead, and uh, Paul Kimball from Grantley Buffalo, and Andy McKay uh, from Roxy Music. And then the other oh. uh, supergroup on here is Wild Rats, and that's Rats with three T's and one Z. And uh, it's Mark Arm, uh, Ron Ashton, and uh, Thurston Moore, and Mike Watt. Uh, oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so this is a—it's an interesting uh, collection of, uh, you know, these supergroups doing these covers mainly of like Roxy Music, uh, Brian Ferry songs, um, and then uh, you have some other kind of random stuff on there, like Grantley Buffalo. I think essentially recording like one of their last songs as Grantley Buffalo because they uh, shortly uh, they or they disbanded shortly thereafter, I believe. Adam, you mm-hmm. could probably speak to this. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, and and then um, and I was surprised to find out that Paul Kimball, the bass player, uh, produced a lot of uh, the uh, Grantly Buffalo bass player produced a lot of the soundtrack. So um, that yeah, is a really interesting, interesting eclectic soundtrack, man. I'm gonna have to revisit that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen now yeah. is like stealing all the P.P. Anderson, you know, Yeah. Scores. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, I, I, God, I haven't seen that movie, Velvet Goldmine, since it came out. I remember it being a better, like, soundtrack and visual experience than movie, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I can't speak for it. It's been too long. It, like, know. didn't it get, if, it, if I'm not mistaken, because I know Betsy's a big fan of the movie, right? I think, or was. I, I think she's a fan. She's not like a, a huge okay. fan. Yeah, Cause it, yeah, like, I thought fan. the movie was like, yeah, I, I remember the movie being kind of uneven, like despite like the cool score and the like visually speaking. Like, it, it was originally really... supposed to be a, like a Bowie biopic almost, but Bowie wouldn't give any approval on it. And so they oh, kind of had okay. to reconfigure it all yeah, to be yeah. this um, pseudo fictional. It's, yeah, it's okay. You can admit that Betsy and you go to Velvet Fest every year. <laughs> Actually, that would probably be a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so my uh, my second uh, one is uh, going into the world of probably one of the best soundtrack creators, I think, of the last uh, couple decades, and that is Wes Anderson and sure. uh, the Rushmore soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, which is a combination of, of uh, the Kinks and, and, and The Who, and, and The Who's a quick one, which is probably one of the most famous uses, I think, of a song in the last last 20 years, for sure. One of my yeah, favorite faces uses of are, yeah. Faces are on it. Yeah, the faces. And then Mark Mothersbaugh's um, score is, is fantastic uh, on here, as it's interspersed throughout. Um, yeah, yeah, the faces ooh la la is, yeah, you just like, you're listening to that and all of a sudden everything you're doing is in slow motion. It's the, just, you just turn into that Wes Anderson slow motion. Um, uh, and then, yeah, cause it's not, it's like not so, a lot of it's not so obvious cuts from these artists. Um, though, I mean, they were sure they're popular songs at one point, but, um, yeah, the, you know, the creation and unit four and two is on there. It's, it's really, um, it can be some deep, deep cuts on there. So my number one is uh, the aforementioned singles uh, by Cameron Crowe, uh, which includes, this was my third CD that I ever owned. Uh, it went uh, Pearl Jam's 10, Temple of the Dog that I got for Christmas. And then I went out and bought the single soundtrack at uh, Sam Goody, uh, the aforementioned Sam Goody at White Oaks Mall. Um, and that was Sam Goody, right? Or was it Musicland? They oh, gosh! didn't they? Like, wasn't there, like, for a while, weren't they called Sam Goody, and then they were Musicland? Yeah, so one and the same. Okay, yeah. yeah. I um, just called it All We Had. Like, All We Had. Right? Right. Like, you had to pay seventeen ninety nine for this. Well, and yeah. do you remember the first time you ever walked into Best Buy, and you saw they had, like, ten rows of CDs that mm-hmm. were, like, two or three rows deep? You were like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, and they were only twelve ninety nine, five bucks cheaper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but it was, um, it was a simpler time. <laughs> sure was. Um, uh, but yeah, with the single soundtrack, you know, obviously this was this was the first taste of Pearl Jam after ten, and so to get two new Pearl Jam songs was a pretty big deal. And as a result, State Eleven mm-hmm. Trust I think became one of my all time favorites. Um, but, uh, Chris Cornell's job on this, uh, uh, with seasons is, I don't know, it, it it's still kind of hard to talk about, uh, you know, the, the music that, that Cornell produced, um, uh, but seasons in particular is, I think an all timer in my opinion and, uh, uh, just the layering of guitars and, and the, the idea that somebody like him who, you know, up to that point had produced this very hard rock 
um, with Soundgarden to, to produce something as delicate and intricate and, uh, as, as Seasons uh, kind of opened me up to uh, a lot more uh, music uh, for the coming decade. Well put. So yeah, got, that's my top three. Yeah, coincidentally, awesome. it finally got reissued on vinyl and came out the day after he passed away. Right. Yeah. There's a um, and I uh, it it contains his ori- Cornell's original demos on there, uh, which include Spoonman and Flutter Girl, which were only ever written because Jeff Ament created a fake cassette tape for um who it's matt dillon's character uh in there um he anyway so uh jeff amon created this fake cassette tape with these fake song names on there that included spoon man and flutter girl and chris cornell went ahead and decided well i'll write these songs like uh unprovoked he just went ahead and wrote these songs and and they're included i think in that expanded edition Good deal. This is this is definitely a Criterion Collection type conversation. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, anyway, what about you, Adam? What are your, or did, or did, did he already give his? No, uh, sorry, no, no. All right, oh, no. go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'll try to wrap it up. Um, but yeah, I mean, soundtracks get to me categorized into like three different categories. You have like the various artists, like miscellaneous kind of mixtape. Uh, of artists that already existed and then you have you know the the score composure um and then you have just kind of like an all original thing by an artist we know and for that one uh for me um neil young's dead man soundtrack oh Oh, yes um just as because i mean it's really easy to talk about uh movies without talking about the soundtrack it's hard to talk about a soundtrack without talking about the movie and what he did with this was just really incredible. And from what I've heard, he, you know, he basically watched the movie in one of his magical barns. He records things in and uh, he watched a rough cut of the movie and just kind of scored it live. And, and basically what you, what he did was what you got for the film. And uh, I just think it's very haunting. I mean, it obviously probably isn't that moving if you've never seen the film and then listen to the soundtrack. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just think it's a really, really solid record that that's kind of overlooked a lot in his career and his his catalog. I think it's um, getting reissued. Compilate. What's that? I think it's getting reissued. The the Dead Man uh, oh, score soundtrack. For me, who, who does not own it on vinyl? Let me confirm that, and and I'll I'll send you a link. Okay, uh, but as far as like the various artists compilation goes. Um, would have to be like 1986's Rob Reiner's film Stand By Me uh, had a really great uh, compilation soundtrack. I mean, I don't know what, it, it, there was nothing really special about it. It was like turning on an oldie station, but the way it was arranged and mm-hmm. thinking about the movie, you know, like the, the coasters, Jerry Lee Lewis, Benny King, of course, who, you know, I mean, the movie was supposed to be called The Body based on the short story by Stephen King, but the producers were like, well, how about we, sell a song you know (laughs) uh but yeah it's just it's a really great soundtrack of just like that that time capsule uh of where the movie takes place like you know small town oregon in like 1954 um that was one of the first uh, cassettes i found laying around the house and i would play that a lot i remember when i was a kid yeah i mean it was no real different than the big chill soundtrack exactly 
I mean, it was one of the biggest selling soundtracks ever, which was just all basically like turning on an oldies station. But there was something about the way the, the Stand By Me soundtrack was produced and, and even the arrangements of songs. Uh, it's something special. Mm-hmm. Um, but then to move on, you know, to, to score, um, I, I'd have to say it's a really tough tie between uh, The Godfather, 1972, uh, uh, Nino Rota's score, the, the classic Godfather Waltz, which I just think is one of the most beautiful pieces of film music ever. And I'd have to tie that with uh, Danny Elfman's 1989 Batman score. Oh, there you go. Incredibly powerful, yeah. And also, don't forget the Prince songs on it as well, right? I mean... <laughs> well, that was actually two separate... That was, was two, two soundtracks. soundtracks, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah orig- original score and original soundtrack, yeah. But yeah, 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 the Prince stuff was really good as well. And my big runner-up, I think, um, and it won the Grammy in 2000, but when the, the O Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack, oh, yeah. completely sure. renaissance, bluegrass. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it put it back on the map, and it's probably why we have some... Kind of like really shitty bluegrass pop. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, I, um, I, uh, the guys that uh, I think wrote some of those songs on that, oh, brother, is it like Jerry Douglas or, or, or somebody like that? Or, uh, uh T- Tony, Tony Rice maybe is on it as well. But like, yeah, I, 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 I was listening to like a live show a long time ago and, like you know they they do man of constant sorrow and they're up there and they're like here's one of the biggest hits of the year somehow they're like um so just just yeah that <laughs> how that that, that kind of swept in and uh, uh became popular is just is yeah i mean weird. it overtook pop, things like pop culture yeah. The, the yeah. music that was like at that time 80 80 years old was just sweeping yeah. the nation in 2001 it was a really interesting time right like soccer moms the grammy yeah, yeah, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It was really it cool. Just, it was amazing. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, uh, a lot of fun talking tonight, Adam. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. For sure. Oh, thank you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it may be cold. It may be cold in Chicago, but there's some hot soundtracks out there to keep us warm. Oh, <laughs> uh, to the max, my friends. <laughs> to the max. Um, all right. I want to remind everybody to check out. Um, uh, Adam's uh, new movie, The No. Um, go to facebook.com slash the no movie. That's K N O W. Uh, so, yeah, we're looking, we're excited for that as well. Uh, trailer's up there. You can watch it. Um, and hey, can uh, I look, just look, mention, Gabe? Can yeah. I mention one thing that uh, we'll be playing, the film will be screening at the Big Muddy Film Festival in Carbondale. Oh, okay. Uh, and that happens the week of February 19th to the 25th. And we don't have a set date on the schedule of like when it will be airing but sometime in that week and uh, i'll keep you posted on when that one of the that'll be screening cool we'll swing on down to southern illinois and check out the movie um thank you for for sharing that and then uh also want to remind everybody you can follow us on instagram and the twitter at rock in chew that's rock as in james newton howard um so uh you can know know the difference between him and your james horners um so yeah, uh, rock in chew. You can also uh, get all of our episodes. All the the entire archives are available at rockchew.com. Uh, you can listen to us on YouTube, iTunes, uh, any of your favorite podcasting apps. Please leave us a review. Um, tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. 
And uh, it was a lot of fun talking about movie soundtracks tonight. And uh, we will see everybody next time. Have a good night. Good night. Peace.